I'll start with introducing myself. My name is Jacob Timonen. Uh, I'm 26 years old. I'm a sophomore at Dayspring Bible College. Um, I've actually grown up in Lake Zurich my entire life, nearly my entire life. Uh, I came here um, shortly after preschool, which I did come to preschool here, believe it or not. Um, it's crazy how God works. Uh, Terry Finzi was my uh, teacher back in the day in the yellow room. And it's really interesting as I've worked here over the past year, I've gotten like little bits and pieces of my memories back on it. And it's not the things you would expect. The things that I remember are the animal alphabet letters that are hanging up on the wall, specifically the yak. Um, I don't know why. That's just something that popped out in my memory as soon as I saw it. Um, I remember the Jumposaurus, the Jumposaurus I remember, and uh, nap time. So <laughs> those are the things I remember most about preschool, but I'm so grateful to be back here, and I'm thankful for God in the way that he brought me back here as well. So uh, after preschool, I went to uh, Lake Zurich Public Schools, uh, hobbies I had growing up. I really liked baseball, frisbee. I did track and field. Um, my first job was actually over at the Mariano's down the street. And um, I grew up in church most of my childhood, not so much later on, but early on I was in church um, pretty frequently. Um, so the title of my message tonight is God is Calling, Answer It, which is the exact um, Message I hear on my AirPods whenever I'm getting a call, not from God, obviously, but typically from my girlfriend, Amanda, in which I'll typically answer it if, unless I know I'm in trouble. Just kidding. Um, so one, so to get us started, I'm going to tell us a story, um, of my past. One interest I had when I was younger that I didn't just mention was that I was interested in theater, believe it or not. And um, I was in sixth grade in middle school. I just got into middle school. And I told my mom that I wanted to audition for the musical. And the musical at the time was uh, Annie, if you guys have ever seen Annie. Um, however, as I thought about it more and more, I got really nervous. I got nervous uh, thinking about auditioning. I got nervous thinking about being up on stage where all the lights are on me and everyone else is dark and it's just me in the spotlight. So... After thinking about it, I decided I'm not going to audition anymore. So I missed the workshops, and the workshops were in the two days prior to the audition, which were learning how to do the dance moves and the uh, singing that were required to do the audition. So I skipped both of those with the intention of skipping the audition as well. However, my mom caught wind that I was going to skip the audition. So she said, uh-uh, you're going to do it. And at this point, I had missed the workshops. I don't even know what I'm doing. So after a long time telling my mom I didn't want to do it, Eventually, I still had to do it. So <laughs> I was up on the stage, and I was watching watching the people next to me doing the moves, and I was like, okay, what am I doing? I, was, I had to go up, and I had to sing, and I didn't even know the song. So they had me sing Happy Birthday. So very embarrassingly, in front of three judges, I sang Happy Birthday for my <laughs> musical audition. Needless to say, I did not get the call back from the director saying I got the role. However, God, God and the director were gracious enough to let me go on the stage crew. So I was grateful for that. Um, but yeah, I did not get called back to that, needless to say. And so... Uh, 
Yeah, I was not prepared to receive a call from the director that got that role. However, there was a child in the Bible that was ready to receive a call. And not just any call, God's call. I'm sure each of us would say that we want to know what's God's call for our lives. My goal by the end of the night is to help each of us see the ways in which we can be like Samuel to receive, obey, and commit to God's calling for us. So let's turn to 1 Samuel chapter 3. And before we go there, I'm going to give a little backstory on the previous two chapters and a little bit before that so we can get an idea of what's going on. So uh, we're going to talk about uh, Samuel's mother, Hannah. Now, Hannah's story is pretty incredible, and I suggest that each of you give it in a good, honest read sometime. It's one of the great, she's one of the great women of the Bible. She's got two whole de- chapters dedicated to her story. Um, but in summation... Uh, Hannah was married to a man named Elkanah, who was also married to a woman named Penina. And Hannah was barren, Penina was not. Kind of sounds like a familiar storyline if you've read Genesis, Genesis before um, with Sarah and Hagar. So Penina would mock and provoke Hannah to tears year in and year out since she was able to bear children and Hannah could not. How awful is that? In her sorrow, she fiercely prayed to God and made a vow that if the Lord would give her a boy, she in turn would give him back unto him for all the days of his life. And so God allowed her to conceive. Hannah followed through on her vow by giving her son, Samuel, to Eli, the high priest in Shiloh, to serve the Lord. And Samuel began his service to the Lord in the tabernacle under the direction of Eli, And that is where our story picks up in chapter 3. So in chapter 3, verse 1, we read, And the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision. And so my first point tonight is, if you want to receive God's calling, you got to get plugged in. And so Samuel, a child, ministered unto the Lord. Now, what exactly does this mean? Well, we know Samuel is being raised by Eli to become a priest at some point. And part of that training is assisting Eli in the priestly duties that were in the tabernacle. This would include uh, inspecting of the sacrifices, preparation of the sacrifices, assisting uh, assisting with the order of events, maintaining lamps, just being an extra set of hands for Eli at all times. And we find out in a later verse that Eli was actually partially blind at this point. So uh, as Samuel's continued to grow, I'm sure his responsibilities grew as well. And so um, now is it saying here? So the first point I'd like to make is uh, for this story is to prepare to receive God's calling, get plugged in, do the work of the Lord, and grow in him. Now, is it saying here that you need to be given to the Lord as a child so you can be raised uh, as so to be raised as a priest um, to receive God's calling? Obviously not. It's not even saying that you need to be in full-time vocational ministry to be called by God. Now, what are some examples of people that were called by God that aren't in full-time ministry? Well, there's many, just to name a few. 
Moses and David were tending their sheep when God called them. Gideon was threshing wheat. Elijah was plowing his yoke of oxen. The disciples were out fishing, and even Jesus was a carpenter before he started his ministry. I have yet to find an individual in the Bible God called that was just hanging around and doing nothing. Although God's methods and means when calling an individual throughout history differ and vary, the resume God is looking for remains the same. And this is the only time Samuel's and is this the only time Samuel's dedication to the Lord's work is mentioned? Let's read some verses in the previous chapter. We read in 1 Samuel 2 verse 11, and the child did minister unto the Lord before Eli the priest. In verse 18, we read, but Samuel ministered before the Lord, being a child girded with a linen ephod. Verse 21, and the child grew before the Lord. And in verse 26, and the child Samuel grew on and was in favor with both the Lord and also with men. There's a lot of emphasis on Samuel's growth and commitment to the Lord and his work. It's mentioned multiple times in just a few verses. And I think it's important to note that anytime God repeats something, especially in a close, tight context, it means he really wants to convey a message to us. He really wants to drill something into our hearts. And in this case, I believe he wants us to see that Samuel's dedication to God is something special. Now, why is it something special? Why is Samuel's consistency so incredible? Well, it was because the spiritual condition of the people in the house of God, as well as the entire nation of Israel at the time, was as a whole horrendous. In the previous chapter, we learned that Eli's sons, who are priests, were doing wrong by taking the best portion of sacrifices for themselves and having sexual relations with women that assembled outside of the tabernacle. And the wrongdoings didn't just stop with Eli's sons. For those of you that have read the book of Judges, you know that this point in Israel's history is one of the worst, if not the worst it had seen up until this point in regards to apostasy towards God. We're talking about rape, murder, idol worship, even child sacrifice was going on in Israel at this time. Often the judges themselves were as wicked as the people they were supposed to lead. The final verse in Judges sums up the state of Israel pretty well. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. When we look back and see what's happening in Israel at this time, it's no wonder that in verse 1 we read, the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision. God pretty much left Israel up to its own devices. But despite all of this, Samuel was not deterred. He was not discouraged. He faithfully worshiped and served and grew in the presence of the Lord. Samuel stayed plugged in. He put in the work by doing his duties in the tabernacle. He stayed consistent. He grew and hence received his galling from God. It's no surprise that as this country continues to further separate itself from God, we see a landscape that looks more familiar to the one we read about in Samuel's time. Let's learn from Samuel's example. What can we, so what can we do to get plugged in and receive God's calling? Well, I believe the obviously, obvious one here is to serve in the local church. And I kind of touched on this in the beginning. I was amazed when I first began attending this church as to how many ways I could get plugged in right from the start. 
uh, right away, I was given the opportunity to help out at the mother-daughter banquet, which was so, so incredible. I was amazed to see how many women and tables and chairs could fit into this auditorium. I was truly amazed. And not only that, but the Grace Conference, the Epic Challenge, and not just getting plugged in through serving. I was able to get plugged in through um, Bible study as well. Talk time quickly became became something that I looked forward to each week, even if my partner was Jamie. <laughs> but And uh, Simple Steps as well. Those of you that go to Simple Steps know how amazing of a ministry that God is using that through. People are being healed. People are coming to know God. People are coming to realize that they can't do it on their own, that God is the reason that we can get through life. And that's an amazing ministry as well. And getting to be a part of furthering God's kingdom allowed me to rediscover God's calling in my life to be in full-time ministry, which I'll get into later if I have time. So if we truly desire to be used by God and desire to receive his calling for our lives, we must not allow anything to impede our service and commitment to the Lord. So point number one is get plugged in. Point number two, God's call is inconvenient to the flesh. Let's read from verse three. First Samuel three, verse three. And ere or before the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was and Samuel was laid down to sleep that the Lord called Samuel and he answered, here am I. And he ran unto Eli and said, here am I, for thou calledst me. And he said, I called not, lie down again. And he went and lay down. God's call, God didn't call Samuel at a convenient time. He didn't call him after he had just finished something up or when he had nothing better to do. God called him when he was sleeping. And we all know the discomfort of being awoken, right? I don't know anyone who enjoys that, but being awoken is never fun. It's never pleasant. And it's definitely inconvenient for the flesh. Um, I work on the outside maintenance crew here. And uh, if you've worked on that crew or if you work on that crew, uh, you know where I'm going with this. When it snows in the middle of the night uh, during the winter, somebody's got to remove the snow, right? And uh, God graciously provided us a mild winter this last winter, and there weren't too many nights where I had to get up too early. But uh, God, Kyle, my boss, was also gracious, and when we had a little break in the snow, he'd let us take a nap, typically in the supply closet, and then he would call us at 4 a.m. to get us back out there before the preschoolers arrived. And I'll tell you what, I did not want to wake up. I just wanted to ignore the call and go back to sleep and let somebody else uh, take that call and remove the snow. And in this case, God's call, and in this case, Samuel's call came in at an inconvenient time as well. Because when he does call, it often doesn't line up with the desires of our flesh. Sometimes the Lord calls somebody when things are going extremely well for them in a natural sense. You have your plan for your life set. You have your investments laid out. You have your relationship established. Maybe you have kids at that point. You've already gone to school. Maybe you're in college. And all of a sudden, the Lord will come and interrupt and say, follow me. 
around Campfire Church, at Campfire Church, around the campfire last weekend at college for a day, Pastor Mark recognized some of our international college students that decided to, an- that decided to answer God's call for this season of their life to come to Bible college. Some of these guys left good jobs. They have to be away from their families and even their children for months, if not years at a time. For others, they may not be as well-placed, but they have their future set, maybe referring to kids that are just coming out of high school. Um, they know exactly what they want to do, and all of a sudden, God decides, that's your plan, but here's mine. Which is inconvenient for the flesh as well, because when we feel like we know where we're going, we know exactly what our next step and our next three steps and our next five steps are going to be. There's security in that. There's security in knowing where we want to go with our lives, what the next steps are going to be. But when God calls us, oftentimes we don't know what the next step is going to be. I mean, God's word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, but it's not this big shining head beam where you can see five miles down the road. Usually he's asking for us to trust him each step of the way. And so that's inconvenient for the flesh as well. When we, when God interrupts and asks us to follow him, even when he's not willing to show us exactly what's going to happen for weeks, months, years into the future. So Samuel is interrupted in his sleep, and your flesh will find reasons why not to completely submit to, God, to God's will also. So what do we do when this happens? We need to remember the promises of God in that moment when God calls us. He promises to take care of our needs, to protect us, to never let us go. And while answering God's call will often result in a wild journey, he will always be with us. So point number two, God's call is inconvenient for the flesh. And point number three, utilize caller ID. So what do I mean by that? Well, let's go back and read verses five through nine. And he, meaning Samuel, ran unto Eli and said, here am I for thou calledst me. And he said, I called not, lie down again. And he went and lay down. And the Lord called yet again, Samuel, And the Lord arose and went to Eli, and Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou didst didst call me. And he answered, I called not, my son, lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed unto him. And the Lord called Samuel again a third time, and he arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou didst call me. And Eli perceived that the Lord had called the child. Therefore, Eli said unto Samuel, go, lie down. And it shall be that if, if he call thee, that thou shalt say, speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. So Samuel went down, went and lay down in his place. Who is the one that perceived it for Samuel that God was speaking to him? Eli, right? Eli was the one that had the maturity and the relationship and the experience to realize after three times that the Lord was trying to call Samuel. How did Samuel receive greater clarity that God was speaking to him? Through community. There was somebody else in his life that had the experience, that had the knowledge, that had the understanding to help him understand that God was speaking to him. 
And as much as God lives in each of us that are born again through the Holy Spirit, God has also made it that we would be dependent on somebody else to perceive something that we couldn't perceive on our own. We all have blind spots. None of us are omniscient. This church is so incredibly best to have great men and women leaders. Since coming here, I found myself in numerous situations where I just flat out didn't know what the best thing to do was. And I'm so grateful that God placed people in my life like Pastor Paul and Pastor Mark and Mark Laskas to help me navigate uncharted waters. So point number three is utilize caller ID. Get wise counsel when you believe God is calling you. And point number four, obey the call. So we pick up in verse 10. And the Lord came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then the Samuel answered, speak, for thy servant heareth. And the Lord said to Samuel, behold, I will do a thing in Israel at which both the ears of everyone shall heareth it shall tingle. In that day, I will perform against Eli all the things which I have spoken concerning his house. When I begin, I will also make an end. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knoweth, because his sons made themselves vile, and he restrained them not. And therefore, I have sworn unto the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be purged with sacrifice nor offering forever. Wow, what a message. I mean, imagine this. Put yourself in Samuel's shoes. It says that the Lord came and stood. So this is some sort of physical manifestation of God. I mean, I don't think Eli or Samuel was in the presence of God necessarily, but it does say that the Lord stood. And God's first words to Samuel are less than pleasant. God doesn't speak words of praise to Samuel. Samuel, you are doing a great job by being faithful to me and your master Eli with your duties. No, it's a word of judgment spoken against the man he's been raised and taught by his entire life. And God is expecting and Samuel to tell Eli this. It's no wonder we read in verse 15, and Samuel lay until the morning and opened the doors of the house of the Lord. And Samuel feared to show Eli the vision. Look how honest the Bible is. Samuel was afraid. Who knows, maybe Samuel was sweeping the floor or something that morning thinking, oh, I hope I don't bump into Eli. Oh, I hope that he doesn't ask me about last night. Samuel was afraid. We pick up in verse 16. Then Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he answered, here am I. And he said, what is the thing the Lord hath said unto thee? I pray thee, hide it not from me. God do so to thee and more also, if thou hide anything from me of all the things that he said unto thee. And Samuel told him every wit and nothing and hid nothing from him. And he said, it is the Lord, let him do what seemeth good. Samuel was fearful to tell Eli the message that was told to him by the Lord. And even though Samuel was a child, even though the prophecy spelled nothing but doom for Eli and his family, Samuel still obeyed and relayed the message to God. 
we too have been given a message from God that involves judgment to tell people as well. However, the message given to us does not just stop at judgment. No, it includes love and grace, peace and hope. We're talking about the gospel here. If a child like Samuel could so lean on God to help him deliver this awful message to Eli, we surely can share the gospel with others. Amen? So point number four, obey the call. And point number five, stick close to the text. Verse 19, and Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and did let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan, even to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was established to be a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again in Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel. Samuel let none of his words, let none of God's words fall to the ground. That's how much he valued them. What here in America do we also not let fall to the ground? American flag, right? I had the privilege of setting up a ton of American flags prior to our epic challenge. And it's so nice because last year we had these little teeny tiny ones that would break every time you tried to stick them into the ground. We actually had to use a drill to put those ones in the ground. And so um, we've got these big full-sized American flags that we set up all along the perimeter for events like Epic Challenge and uh, Memorial Day and 4th of July. And one thing that my boss Kyle told us, don't let them touch the ground. Don't let them touch the ground. And if here in America, we are so, it's so important to us to not let the American flag touch the ground or fall to the ground How much more should we value God's word? We actually have 14 pages of laws that say, saying what we can and cannot do with our flag. So I thought that was pretty interesting. I found that in my studies. (laughs) So how do we not let any of God's words fall to the ground? Well, it's pretty simple. We can do this by reading God's word, by studying it, by memorizing it not letting the pastor's words go in one ear and out the other on Sundays. And this is probably the most consistent practice that we can have to not only receive God's calling, but also commit to it and follow through on it as well. Let's read those final words in the chapter again. For the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. Want to receive God's calling on your life? God's word is your key. It was God's word telling me, to get plugged into the local church as well. Um, when I when I first started coming here, I was truly seeking a church. I had really felt that God was telling me to get faithfully plugged in to a church. That's something I hadn't done ever since I got saved. I'd go to one church for a few weeks and I'd stop going to church. And then I would check out a different church for a few weeks and stop going. And eventually I came to this church and it was amazing to see how quickly, I mean, I don't want to say I got sucked in necessarily. I sucked myself in, but it was just incredible to see, like, I was already doing things when other churches were telling me, well, why don't you stay here for a few months? Maybe you can come to our Bible study and then we'll see if we can get you plugged in. And that was a deal breaker for me at the other churches because here it was like, 
Oh, you want to serve? Serve iced tea at the uh, mother-daughter banquet. Go for it. That was like, yes, this is exactly what I want. Um, so a bonus point here to finish things off, which is not quite related to the text, although it somewhat is, is uh, check your provider, which is Bible translation. So uh, Pastor CJ, if you're here, you were the one helping me out with this one. Um, but when I was studying for this sermon, I wanted to make sure that everything was lined up. So when I was studying, I came across a puzzling passage in the first verse of the first chapter of First Samuel, which reads, Now there was a certain man of Ramathaim Zophim, I had to practice that one before I came up here, of Mount Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jehoram, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuf, and Ephrathite. And when I read Ephrathite, I initially... Um, I initially thought that meant Ephraimite or Ephraimite of the tribe of Ephraim. And uh, if you know your Hebrew scriptures, you would know that only one tribe would be allowed to serve in the tabernacle, and that was the descendants of Levi. So naturally, when I read this, I was like, uh-oh, is this a contradiction? Got to dig into it a little bit further. And so that's when I took this concern to Pastor CJ, who is an awesome guy. I'm so grateful for his presence in the uh, academic building. Now I can bring pretty much any question to him, and he knows exactly what I'm asking and typically knows the answer. So shout out to you, Pastor CJ. But he gave me fur- further reassurance on this when he pointed me toy- towards uh, uh, First Chronicles chapter 6, where Samuel's clearly described as being from the tribe of Levi. And an Ephrathite doesn't actually mean somebody from the tribe of Ephraim. It means somebody that is from the region of Ephratah. And if you've come here on Sundays, you've uh, heard Pastor Jim mention Ephratah multiple times. It's the ancient name for uh, Bethlehem. And so I was like, wow, thank you, Pastor GJ. I'm really grateful for this uh, tidbit you gave me. So when I was doing more studies, I actually found out that multiple translations of the Bible include this word Ephrathite as actually somebody that is from the tribe of Ephraim, which is wrong, actually. So check your provider. Make sure you're using the right translation because you're going to come across things like this, which will confuse you. But when you know that you're going to God's word, that's the perfect pure word of God, you can't really go wrong. So what have we learned today? We've learned that God's calling, God's calling each and every one of us to do something great, maybe to do something small. God asks that each of us be ready to receive that call. But before you can be ready to receive God's call, have you trusted Christ as your savior? It says in John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. You see, our sin separates us from God. God is holy. God is just. We all hear that God is love and God is good and God is peace, but he's also holy and he's also righteous. And it would be wrong of him to accept us into heaven, to accept us into his presence 
with that sin stain on us. We've all sinned. I've sinned multiple times this week, and I'm always trying to catch up on myself when I'm asking for forgiveness of those sins. He's faithful and just, but you also have to ask for forgiveness as well. I'm a sinner, and we're all sinners, and that sin separates us from a relationship with him. But that's where the message provides hope and love. God sent his son, his perfect son. His name was Jesus. Jesus came down to earth, lived a perfect life, took his sins upon uh, uh, from us on the cross and died and rose again. And so how do we regain relationship with God? How do we join him in heaven one day? You just believe. All you need to do is believe in Jesus, believe that he died and he rose again.